You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We may just be days away from the Super Bowl, but in today's show, we're going to talk Senior Bowl and the NFL Draft. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Robert Land, along with my co-host, House of Houston's Brian Patterson. Welcome to Locked On Texans, your best daily source of Texans news, views, and interviews. We're part of the FanRag Sports Network. Let's welcome back one of our favorite guests on the Locked On Network, a busy, busy man these days, John Ledger. And John hosts both Locked On Steelers and Locked On NFL Draft and just returned from a long visit to the Senior Bowl. We know you've been busy, so thanks for jumping on the line with us, John. Hey, no problem. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, before we talk Senior Bowl and the draft, you know, I I thought it might be a slow day for Houston sports, but guys, I wasn't expecting a shouting match on Radio Row with an original Houston Texan. I mean, there are Patriots and Eagles fans, and this is the first Super Bowl week to go viral. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I saw that clip. I don't know anything about the history there, but yeah, no, it's uh, just to kind of inform you from a, from what's going on in Houston. Uh, Josh Ennis was the guy that walked over there. Most of the shouting was uh, Seth Payne who, you know, he was an original Houston Texan. Actually uh, the, the Texans got to uh, pick him from the Jaguars uh, because they got Tony Baselli in the draft and it allowed them to get Seth Payne and Seth Walker uh, which really help, helped him the first few years, even though Baselli never played it down for the Texans. Of course, he's up for the uh, he's up for the Hall of Fame this weekend. So, and then and and Seth Payne, you know, I, I know Seth from going being out at the Texans. He's always been great to me. J- Josh, the guy that he was arguing with, is kind of the Brian. What would you call him? The ultimate radio troll at this point. Yeah, yeah, that, that's always been his mo uh, since he's been. You know, he went up to Philadelphia for a while. I forget the station that he worked at. Um, he went up there for a while. He used to work for 610, uh, Sports Radio 610 AM, but then he went up to Philadelphia. But I guess things didn't work out there, so now he's back in Houston uh, working for 790. So he's got this beef with uh, Seth Payne, and he's been on the air just railing on him. And eventually these two were going to have to meet because, you know, they're all sitting on Radio Row so I think this is a situation where everything just boiled over. Uh, even Jim Mudd, their their old producer uh, for the show, because he would be on uh, with the morning show with Nick Wright, you know, of course, who's at Fox Sports uh, with uh, John Lopez. He used to be their producer. He decided to go to 790 because he wanted to work with Josh. And, you know, a lot of it spilled over. So he was sitting next to Seth but for some reason, they were on a cell phone and because they didn't have a wireless. I don't even know what the situation mm-hmm. is there. But uh, to be honest with, with this, you know, it, you know, I got to be cynical. I mean, is this a way for them to blow up their ratings nationwide, you know, to let us know that, that Houston Sports Talk Radio is, is you know, it, it, it's popping? I mean, you know, it, it, they all talk about the same thing. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's shock jock stuff, um, especially with Josh. But at least Seth does have insight to his uh, particular show. You know, I'd listen to it. I, I'd listen to it ex- exclusively uh, as well. I, I've never been really a, a fan of uh, Josh's show or just him, period. But um, I, I love Seth and Mike Meltzer. They do uh, make a nice uh, pair there. But again, um, 
this was nationwide. And David Barron made a great uh, quote on Twitter. I mean, he was talking about, you know, the ratings on WEEI in Boston probably got more ratings than than both <laughs> KBME and, uh, you know, the Sports Radio 610 uh, all combined. So it goes to show, you know, what the status of Houston sports talk and sports radio is as far as uh, in the nation. So uh, that, that got a lot of tweets because Josh uh, tweeted back at him. He fired back. It was going back and forth. And David Barron, he's one of my favorite guys. Um, I've read him since, you know, he was a kid, read his stuff. He's a terrific reporter for the Chronicle, always, you know, reports on the ratings, that the, the guts of everything. And uh, just a real sticky situation, guys. And I probably have talked too much. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, let me let me just fill in John, because I don't know if he know, understands all this. So uh, the, the guy that's the troll, he, he he's with the Astros and the Rocket Station, uh, Josh, and then uh, Seth Payne is with uh, the, the Texans radio station. And, I mean, it was it was to the point where the, the Chronicles' longtime beat writer for the Texans, the Oilers, he goes back in this town about 40 years, John McClain. Uh, I know was, McClain, yeah. Yeah, he, he just, you know, he basically jumped off the line. He, he, he walked away because it was he's just so embarrassed and just as unprofessional. And we're kind of kind of a little bit surprised that Seth Payne you know, he took the bait on the whole thing because, you know, this, this is a Cornell grad, you know, this isn't uh, some guy that went to junior college or whatever, you know, he's Cornell Ivy league guy. So I, I'm really surprised about that. Yeah. Just that, I mean, cause everybody knows who Josh was and he, like, like Brian said, he used to be on that station. So, you know, it's not what we do here, which I'm glad that's kind of what I love about, uh, <laughs> you know, doing the podcast, but uh, John is pretty, pretty interesting way to start things and uh joe one thing i want to ask you and get your thoughts on and i want to get to the alex smith trade but i want to start by quoting the man texans fans knew as dj swag uh, our former second round safety here who bounced around since and spent the last year now on alex smith's redskins uh swag says and i quote people say they want to win right now but you throw away your best defender Somebody you set a, a, get to set a standard with. Uh, hashtag defense will win championships, unquote. So it just that kind of cracked me up, John, because uh, Swag's taking shots at his current uh, you know management for a guy that's bounced around the league as much as he has. Not not maybe the best move. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. You know, I mean, he's kind of always said his said his piece, uh, so not really that surprising. I mean, honestly. Washington's got a lot of those guys and you get what you pay for, you know, you pay with those guys, you better do right by them or they're going to let you hear about it. So I don't really have any issue with it. If I'm a coach, you know, if I'm, if I'm the front office people, you're obviously not thrilled about it. Uh, but I mean, Hey, like they did something stupid. Uh, the players should have a voice on it. You know, I, you know, you'd rather them just say that to them, uh, you know, go into the office and say it to them rather than tweet about it probably. But I mean, that's the risky run when you when you manage your team poorly and they manage the cousin situation poorly for a couple of years. So, I mean, yeah, it'll be easy to throw, you know, throw some blame on some of these other things. But it goes back to Washington and they should have taken care of business when when they had the chance to and they didn't. And now they put themselves in a terrible situation where they got, you know, in my opinion, a worse quarterback who's older and, and then gave him big money and then traded one of their best defensive players. Uh, you couldn't. I mean, it really couldn't have been a worse and a third-round pick. I mean, it was just a horrific. I have no idea what Washington's doing, and if I were one of their players, you know, I'd be frustrated too. Lots of dominoes here that are going to fall for you, right? When as far as the draft goes, just wait. Oh, yeah. First, first finding out, you know, just where Cousins is 
going to end up? Where, where do you think he's going to go? I think he's going to go to Denver. Yeah, it's just a guess. But <clears throat> I mean, I feel like that for him, it's going to be a combination of money and ability to win. And the Jets and the Browns can give him money, but they can't give him the ability to win. And I think that really does matter a lot to Cousins. Um, as long as he can get paid comparably somewhere else, you know, I think that that's going to make the most sense for him. I don't think Jacksonville is going to really be in on him and they don't have a ton of cap space and Arizona doesn't, isn't in a great spot with the cap either. So uh, I think Denver's going to be the front runner. What do you think, Brian? Did you like this move for uh, Kansas city? Great. Good move for them. Well, they had to do something with Alex because, you know, Pat, they drafted Patrick Mahomes for a reason and, you know, it, it, it's time to start that era. Um, I think this kid's got something that I think he's going to be special. I think he's going to shatter the mold of typically um, Texas, Texas Tech quarterbacks, they're not all that successful in the NFL. The only one that really has had a lot of success, and, you know, I, I use that term loosely, is Graham Harrell. Um, you know, he, he did stay in the league for quite some time. You know, Cliff Kingsbury, he, I think he did play for a little while in the pro leagues. It was very brief, but then he got in the coaching, and, you know, the rest is history. Now he's back at his alma mater. But uh, it, it shocked me that uh, Dan Snyder would make such a move like that. Because you're giving Alex Smith, a guy that is 33, if I'm not mistaken, um, you know, you're giving him all this guaranteed money. That's 71 million. It's a 94 uh, million deal total. And, in, in, you know, with that situation, you know, you could have gave that money to Kirk Cousins. So it speaks to how confident that organization is in, in your Cousins. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's very exciting. I mean, I, I loved it when he was, you know, yelling at the camera when he first got started. He was yelling, you like that? You like that? You know, because that was really getting his brand out, showing that he proved to be in this league when it was like a battle between he and, and RG3. I've always been a Kirk Cousins fan, and, you know, I, I think he, he gets a ton of disrespect in Washington. Good for him because he's going to get his deal uh, somewhere else. But uh, I, I don't think that was a smart move by Dan because, you know, Kirk is a lot younger they're similar quarterbacks, but it obviously speaks to that they don't like him and they had to get him out of there. But uh, good for Kansas City. They had a nice return as well. But Denver, you know, like John said, uh, is a very good option for him. That's where I would want to go if I, I were a free agent because that team is built and ready to go. They just need a quarterback. They're Super Bowl ready or at least almost close to it. They're definitely a playoff team with a quarterback. You know, Trevor Simeon, he's, you know, he's solid, but he needs Gary Kubiak to to bring him along. And then everybody else like Brock Osweiler, we know how that guy is. And then, um, you know, for the most part, that that's where he needs to be. I totally agree. Uh, the Jets, they still just have a lot of issues. If you get the quarterback, then you've got a lot of other stuff that you got to build. You know, McCagney, Mike McCann has got his work cut out for him. So I just you know, think that that's where he needs to go to as well. Totally agree with you, John. Hey, John, uh, let's go back about nine months. What did you think about Mahomes nine months ago? <laughs> I liked him. He had an early second round grade for me. Uh, that, and I grade in a vacuum. I don't put like positional value out there for quarterback or anything like that and bump him up. So I was, I was pretty okay with the team that had a plan to develop him in place, you know, trading up and taking him in the first round. I get why that, why that goes down. And, um, you know, he's a guy that's going to be more grass for sure than Alex Smith uh, typically was anyway Smith was a little more aggressive last year but yeah Mahomes is gonna take his chances he'll have to take his lumps too you know that offense will be a little bit probably a little bit more high variance I think uh, you'll see some boneheaded stuff but you'll see a lot of really good stuff too and he is a smart kid he just kind of forgoes that at times to do things that 
you know, just aren't a good idea because he thinks his arm can do anything. And I mean, I, it's hard to blame him. His arm can do just about anything. He's got a cannon. Um, he can really whip it uh, for distance. It's probably even crazier than his velocity. We talk about Josh Allen's velocity a lot of the time. You know, Mahomes has great velocity, but for distance, I mean, he can throw the thing. It's it's insane how far that thing can go in the air. So he's going to, you know, it's going to turn into more of an explosive offense, I think. Uh, but, you know, so they'll have a, some of the, the, you know, the drive interrupting type plays they'll have from time to time that they'll have to work through too, where he misses an easy one or, you know, even puts, puts the ball in harm's way for turnovers and things like that. So you'll have your ups and downs, I think, with him. But I, it's clearly the right move. I mean, everybody knew Kansas City was going to trade. Alex Smith, it was just a matter of where and when. Um, and so uh, no surprise that it went down. And uh, I'm really, really excited to watch Patrick Mahomes. Now, wasn't uh, Alex Smith sort of a, a whipping boy for the Steelers up there? I mean, is, is there any reaction from Steelers fans? Oh, <laughs> uh, probably. I mean, they always like to talk some trash. But, I, you know, I mean, Alex Smith just – there were kind of some bumps he, humps he couldn't get over in the road, and the Steelers were definitely one of them. He just yeah, – I don't know. He just couldn't uh, – he couldn't really uh, – get past that deep. I mean, it, it wasn't even, you know, he, he had his opportunities. It wasn't all his fault. You know I mean? It, even in some of the game, more recent games, wasn't necessarily his fault all the time. You know, it was often the fault of some teammates and some other, you know, situations that happened. But I would say that he definitely was a guy that never made enough plays against Pittsburgh for sure. Wasn't expecting all this in the last uh, 24 hours. Lots of news uh, around the NFL. Uh, before we talk a little senior bowl, just a quick reminder, for our listeners, if you're enjoying Locked On Texans, tell your friends. Let them know they can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now we are on Spotify. So lots of ways for you to put us on your phone and keep you company in that Houston traffic. Uh, John, exactly how many days did you end up spending in Mobile? Uh, I was there, got in Monday afternoon, and I left Friday morning. Really not much goes on Friday most of the media don't really stay for the game. So yeah, that's uh, so I saw all three days of practice and was there for the opening press conferences and stuff like that. What was your impression and, and the general impression that you heard uh, from the people that were there of the Texans coaching staff? I don't know if I talked to anybody who really said anything. I mean, all the, both the practices were really well run. Um, so that was reassuring after watching the Browns for a couple of years. Uh, I, I don't know that anybody said anything specific, to be honest. Um, both practices had a pretty good pace to them. So I think everybody was just kind of pleased with the way things ran in general. And, uh, you know, both the coaches said really good things, um, you know, um, after practices about the players, about the group in general. So, you know, I, uh, I thought that it was, it was probably the best run and this is my third one, but it was probably the best run senior bowl that I've seen. All right, let's get to the meat of it. Um, you're, (laughs) you, you know what we, we want to find out. Uh, we've got about 14 third rounders. Did did you is this a good draft if you're drafted in the third round for some offensive linemen, specifically some tackles and guards? Ah, uh, it's always hard to say because those guys tend to kind of come off the board. I think it's a pretty good interior line class. Um, so I think that you'll generally be happy with the, some of the guys that that land in that spot. I mean, all things considered, now. It is hard because the draft isn't deep at a bunch of positions. So the teams reach for guys at some of the weaker spots like safety and wide receiver, or do they instead take from the, the strength, the, the strong position. So interior O-line, you know, a tackle probably will get reached for because it's not a great group. And we see typically when that happens last year, it didn't though. Last year wasn't a great tackle group. And for the most part, teams didn't really reach. I thought uh, they controlled themselves pretty well. So that, you know, the situation keeps getting more and more desperate in the NFL tackle. So, that's why it's always a worry when you have to wait till the third round to pick, you know, you never know who's going to be there, but there are a couple interesting ones uh, in mobile. I mean, Alex Kappa from Humboldt state, 
has to be the target guy for you. So, I mean, just realistically speaking, you're thinking who's off the board at that point when they draft and nothing changes, you know, it, he's a guy that could potentially be there and has, I think, starting traits. Um, he is just really, really technical. His footwork is really good. May not be the greatest athlete in the world, but I definitely think he can get away with it because if that footwork keeps developing, because right now he gets out of his stance really well, good hands. Um, he's aggressive in the run game, very physical guy. Could potentially start out at guard, but I like him at left tackle. I'd keep working with him there, um, seeing what he can give you. But, you know, I mean, Brandon Parker is another developmental guy from North Carolina A&T. You, you think of Julian Davenport, obviously, with the Texans now. And I heard that comp thrown around when I was in Mobile. And I think I like Parker a little bit more, a little bit more consistency, a little bit nastier in the run game. Um, both guys, you know, clearly weren't ready to be big contributors as rookies, but I think that I could see both developing into quality NFL players with the right coaching. I mean, that usually does, you don't see a lot of developmental tackles really become strong starters in the NFL, but I think that those guys have at least the traits that if you can coach them up well, you know, it it could potentially happen. Stranger things have happened. I mean, look at Pittsburgh with Alondra Villanueva. So there's definitely some talent, some developmental type talent in the middle rounds, but you know, you're looking for immediate impact guys. The Texans need, you know, a starter or two. I mean, depending on where Davenport's at. So, you know, this is, you know, obviously not the ideal time to be picking to be looking for a starting tackle. Do you think the Texans, you know, at this time with the where they're at in the draft position, do they have a chance to try to snag Isaiah Wynn? He's one of my favorite tackles to come out for the draft this year. He's probably going to go, you know, either in the second or in the third round. We we do have, I believe, three third round picks. If I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, Rob. Um, the so I was just wondering, what do you think? You know, is he a guy that he is worth trading up for? He's a very good football player. You know, I do think he's going to go somewhere between twenty and forty, uh, as long as the shoulder checks out. Um, he played yeah. in played well in Mobile with the with the torn labrum. I don't know to what extent it's torn, but um, yeah. and then went back and got surgery. Didn't play in the game, I believe. But uh, very physical guy, um, technically sound. He's not going to be a tackle in the NFL. He's going to play inside, I'm sure. Uh, but he gives you that flexibility. I think if you need to be able to push him out, um, he did his best work at guard though during the practices. Looked pretty good there. I think you have some scheme versatility with him, some zone and also some gap power stuff too if you want to run it. So. Um, I like that about uh, him. I, I thought that there, there'll be some times where he's beaten in pass protection. Uh, you know, he's not perfect there yet. Uh, you know, so he may get a, a, a second day grade from me, but, you know, I would certainly understand in a class that doesn't have a ton of elite high end talent, why he'd be you know off the board at the end of the first round, early second round. So, that, you know, they might have to make a pretty aggressive move. But I mean, yeah, he's definitely a guy that would start for Houston for sure and, and be a big upgrade over what they have there. Yeah. So then, so you're saying, yeah, cause you know, you, yeah, I, I was going to ask you about Alex Kappa uh, as well. Um, and, and just with Alex, you know, he could possibly be there whenever they get ready to pick at that time. They may not even have to make a move for him, but I know it's, it's kind of mixed with tackles and an offensive lineman, you know, they can go a lot higher than, than projected. Um, so you think that this, that he is a guy that, that would pretty much be available and would fit pretty much what the Texans are trying to do. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah. and there's no, he's not the only one either. I mean, there's other guys too in this draft. And, you know, Nick Martin even has some position flexibility and he was solid last year. But, you know, I, it wouldn't surprise me to see, you know, you get a guy that can play inside. You know, I don't know where Billy Price is going to end up coming off the board because I don't think he will be a guy with these great physical and athletic tools. 
but I think he is kind of a scrappy type of player. So I could see him sliding down a little bit like Pat Elfline did, but being a really good guy that could, you know, could end up starting for a team and he can play center and he played right guard the year before. So he gives you some flexibility and, you know, Frank Ragnow from Arkansas, he's had some injuries this past year. I don't know where he's going to end up coming off the board. You know, it's really hard to tell with some of those guys, um, you know, they could slide to day three. We've seen it happen before to, to round three. We've seen it happen before. So, you know, you could target a guy like that. And if you feel better about them at center, kick Martin to guard and, you know, that, that a little way of solving two problems at once, you know, I think, but so I wouldn't say that they're like close to any offensive line position. You know, I just think get it, get in position to get as many quality offensive linemen as you can. And really, I mean, honestly, if you look at Houston's draft, I know, you know, we will talk about other positions and there's certainly other needs, but I just, I mean, you, I don't really know that you can real, I mean, I'm sure Davenport's going to get a shot to start next year. I, I guess is Sue Afila still under contract? I guess you got to ride it out with him for one more year, but I mean, he's not very good, you know, and Nick Martin, I'm sure you're going to want to start, but that's a lot of injuries for him now. I mean, you got to bring in competition almost at as many of these five spots as you can. Yeah. Sue Afila is a free agent. And, uh, you know, we talked about on our show that we ran the numbers and six of the Texans, 10 worst graded players on pro football focus or were the offensive linemen this past year. So, oh, man. Yeah. Suofilo is gone. No way they resign him. Yeah. So the, the, I guess I want to go back to what you were saying earlier. Uh, you, you said it wasn't a really deep draft or a deep draft at a lot of positions. Is there, is there any position that if you've got a bunch of third rounders, maybe that's, that's something that you would, a position you would focus on besides offensive line. The other big thing with this team is really the secondary. There's not a huge need at linebacker or a huge need on the defensive line or at wide receiver, uh, maybe a tight end. But I, I guess secondary is the big thing with the Texans right now, too. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's always you. I think depending on what scheme you want to run and how you want to operate with your corners, you know, for the Texans, that's kind of varied a little bit over the years. I mean, you're certainly going to I mean, they've spent they have three first round picks at corner. So, I mean, this is a team that ideally they want to match up with you in man coverage it's not always been ideal though with a lot of those guys being hurt and you know Jonathan Joseph aging now and you know Kevin Johnson just hasn't been able to stay healthy or be the same player which is frustrating uh because he was a really good talent coming out of Wake Forest so uh you know they just uh it's kind of one of those situations now where the Texans where you've got to start thinking about moving on uh from some of these guys bringing in competition for these guys you know and uh so I do think it is a priority yeah but you know it comes down to can you survive scheme wise with some of these guys i think that you could um you know and and sign somebody for, you know getting a free agent in here it work with that offensive line i just don't think they can do anything offensively and, and your number one asset is deshaun watson and his health and if you can't protect that in these games you know it's it, anything else you do is going to be pointless so you know, to me, I just feel like anything they can do on offensive to improve the offensive line has to be top priority. And if that means you, you let corner slide, you know, to to day three of the draft, you know, then then you got to try and find a nice steal there. And uh, I think that there there is a decent amount of depth in cor- at the cornerback group. We always see day three corners. It's not like offensive linemen where mo- you know most of the top guys in the league are top picks um you know and that's there's a shortage of talent at the position there's a lot of good corners these days and you can find guys that'll contribute in a capacity if you can tweak some things schematically and make life a little bit easier um you can find guys like that in in in, uh, day three even early on in day three so i don't think it's as desperate a situation as the offensive line but yeah it's certainly a need and jay joe jonathan joseph is a free agent so that's another factor in the equation for them this one of the stories 
from what I understand of the senior bowl was Shaquem Griffin. Tell people if they don't know who this guy is and how he looked at the senior bowl. Oh yeah. He, he looked really well. Uh, he did really well. I thought in, in most of the drills, um, I was actually, I was pretty impressed with Shaquem Griffin's all around ability, you know, not, I mean, you expect some of the linebacker things and I know he did rush off the edge there, but it's still kind of crazy to see a guy with one hand, be able to win the edge. And he uses his, you know, his, his other, where his hands missing, he uses it as a weapon, as a, as a pass rush weapon. And so it's just very natural for him to play that way. Um, and, and he uses it to stack shed guys on the edge and he's, he's a surprising football player and impressive for sure. His movement skills are great. Um, I, I think that he, I, you know, if you would have told me, I don't know, man, it's just hard for me to be realistic and say he's going to get drafted, you know, as a couple, as of a couple months ago, maybe, or even a month or two ago, but I don't know. I think he's going to get drafted. I really do. I think he's going to get drafted day three. I think he, I think he tackles surprisingly well. I mean, it's, I don't know how in the world he does it, but he's an incredible foot. He might've had the best get off off the line of scrimmage of any guy there. And I mean, all line of scrimmage players. I mean, he was just, he's so explosive off the edge and I don't really know what kind of package he gets used for in the NFL, you know, as a, as an edge guy, because I mean, he is so small, he's not, he's not big enough to play there, you know, and if a team, you know, it'll have to be like long and late downs for sure. Um, and, and you know, in a defense that doesn't mind standing their guys up on the edge, but man, he's just, he's a good athlete. I think he's going to test well. Um, he's not a big guy, but he plays about as hard and as fast as you could possibly imagine. And he, he can do some damage in coverage too. So I, I think he's kind of versatile and I, I think he'll earn a spot as a backup and get some playing time in the NFL. I know that kind of defies logic, but I mean, that's what I've seen from him. He's a, he's a good football player. What do you think about uh, JT Barrett um, as, as a quarterback that we could bring in maybe, you know, later in the rounds, uh, I don't know uh, where eventually he's going to end up, but we do need a viable quarterback to back up uh, Deshaun Watson. And uh, by the way, this question comes from Armani Gracia. Uh, one of our writers at uh, House of Houston, a terrific insight. I just wanted to ask this question on his behalf. He wanted me to ask you this as far as what uh, what do you think of him and what chances that the Texans have of getting him? Yeah, keep in mind, John, we're, we're really would love to have somebody like uh, Deshaun Watson with his skill set. Obviously, you're yeah. not going to find the Deshaun Watsons, but uh, with Tom Savage and TJ Yates, that was the obvious thing when, when they came in. It was they have to they had to change the entire offense around. Yeah, I mean, JT Barrett is probably one of the slowest mental processors from the pocket that I've ever scouted. I mean, he just everything is very methodical for him. You know, there's not much of an internal clock um, where Deshaun Watson really feels pressure and moves well in the pocket. You know, Barrett, he's a decent athlete for sure, but he is just a guy that is almost painfully slow in terms of processing what he sees as a quarterback. And, uh, you know, predetermined read stuff, it's fine, you know, but uh, anything he has to do down the field or, you know, a cup progression, progression work and things like that, he just, it's just not his cup of tea, um, you know, things happen very slowly for him from the pocket. And because of that, he holds the ball for a long time. That, that's probably not a great recipe behind that offensive line. So um, I will Barrett get drafted is the big question. Uh, I, I could see him get being a late day three pick, especially in this class. I think um, now there are a lot of quarterbacks in this class. So he, I could see it's definitely see a scenario where he isn't drafted just because of the depth of quarterback. And, you know, there's only a certain number of teams that need quarterbacks, but the rest of the class isn't great. And a lot of people are going to like Barrett's leadership and he's generally accurate when he does get the ball out. And, 
you know, things like that, no, not down the field, but in the short to intermediate game, they're going to see a lot of game manager type trades with Barrett. You can build a package around them, things like that, uh, that I think will probably entice them enough to give him a shot in a camp, um, you know, and, and maybe that happens with a late day three pick. So, I mean, could you do worse than JT Barrett? Probably, but he definitely is not a guy I would get excited about for the NFL. And would would you, if you were the Texans, I know you cover you know all the teams and, and whatnot, but you know thinking like the Texans, would it be best that we just go sign somebody off the street, somebody that's already been there and done that to back him up, or is there anybody in this draft that you think would fit uh, in this system that would be similar to Deshaun Watson's traits? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, uh, you know, I think what Deshaun Watson does really well and what he did really well that kind of saved the team this year was his ability to play in and out of structure. When it, so when it was there in structure, you know, he was able to do really good things. When it, when he had to get out of structure, he was, he was I mean, honestly, he, he, did, he probably elevated the team more that way than he did within the structure of the offense. So, I mean, there are guys like that, but the problem is, you know, I think about somebody like Kurt Bankert from Virginia and, you know, he's kind of like, a little bit of a mini Josh Allen in some ways and that the highs aren't quite as high and the lows aren't quite as low, but he has some developmental ability, you know, and I think that he, he does have a good enough arm and he can get outside of the pocket. You've watched him in the senior bowl game. He got outside the pocket, made a great throw on the move, kind of a sidearm, you know, slingshot type throw that um, got, got into Rashad Penny and ended up scoring a touchdown for them. And so um, he does have some really interesting traits that wouldn't mind uh, seeing him develop and he can move around a little bit got some gunslinger to him. Um, maybe, uh, maybe not exactly like Deshaun Watson, obviously, you know, d- there's going to be some differences, but I could see him being a guy maybe that they target. I mean, th- there's going to be a couple guys that probably fit their profile in terms of what they're looking for if they're trying to draft somebody. But, you know, honestly, most of the time teams in their situation go to a veteran, a uh, guy that's prepared and, and is ready to step into that role. So I, I would probably expect them to go that route. The scariest thing for us, John, is if Jacksonville got a real quarterback. So I want to ask you, uh, what would you do if you were the Jacksonville Jaguars this offseason? How, how do you uh, fix that problem, or can they fix that problem with what they've got cap-wise and, and, and the draft and their position? You know, I don't know that they can. You know, I, I've heard not good things about Sam Bradford's knees situation. It sounded like uh, Ben Albright was even saying something today on Twitter about Sam Bradford's knees, and so – uh, kind of being shot and you know he might be one guy they could afford I don't think they can afford Kirk Cousins uh, the way their caps currently sits anyway and um, so I think they're kind of in a situation where I mean they should dra- should they draft somebody and be aggressive and move up yeah they don't have a lot of needs they have a ton of young talent this is the time they don't really have anybody to worry about the next two years in terms of free agents they're doing pretty all right there um, you know I mean Allen Robinson they got to make a decision on this year but you know, look at the way their receivers played this year. They have a lot of good depth there. I think they have a lot of leverage in that situation, him coming off an injury. Um, so, you know, I mean, they're in a really good spot um, to be able to be aggressive in the draft. So I, I would try to be aggressive for sure. But, I mean, if you're asking me, that's what I think they should do, you know, try to be aggressive, move up for a quarterback. What will they do? I don't think they'll do anything. I think they'll be okay with, with Blake. Uh, you know, I, do I think they'll be as good with Blake next year? Absolutely not. I don't think there's any chance they get back to the AFC Championship with Blake Bortles. But, uh, with a better quarterback, they could. I just don't know that that's going to be necessarily in the cards for them. Now, some they'll draft somebody, uh, but it'll be probably a later round guy. You know, I think that's that's probably more the direction they'll be they'll be willing to go. I, I don't, I just don't see them being aggressive and moving up for a quarterback. And I think you're going to see four or five guys go off the board early on. 
if they would have gotten Alex Smith, I think they would have been a Super Bowl team. If I think Alex Smith, because they just need the quarterback to make that complete, kind of like we were talking about with Denver. I think Alex Smith would have been a great fit. But who knows if Jacksonville wanted to spend the money? I know they've spent a lot already, but I think they still have a lot um, available. No, I, I don't. Th- I don't think so. I don't think they've got a lot available. John, it's de- it's decent. I think they have. I think they have about sixteen mil on the cap right now. Now there's a lot of moving and shaking still to be done too. Yeah, so yeah. there's a lot. I mean, teams can restructure. Teams can do a lot of different things. They can yeah. cut some people. I haven't looked in depth at all the you know different guys and where they could get out of contracts and such. But you know the way it sits right now, they're okay. But you know to give Cousins, I mean, Cousins would be a guy you're talking about twenty six to thirty mil a year. You know, there's not. Not no. a ton of teams in the NFL that could do something like that. John, you we talked about you host Locked On Steelers, uh, Le'Veon Bell. What's he going to do? Yeah, the, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> Here's the deal. <laughs> Le'Veon Bell had 97% of the Steelers' plays last season. He touched the ball more than any other skilled player in the NFL. The Steelers are well aware of their window to win a Super Bowl with Ben Roethlisberger. He's either getting tagged or he's getting signed, and he can talk about retiring as much as he wants. Everybody knows that's not going to happen. You know, he'll he'll probably sit out camp again and – and come play in the regular season and be one of the best offensive players in the league. You're just you're just not parting with a guy like that, you know, with everything that the Steelers have on the line. Um, and you know, he, I know some of the stuff gets built up with him, and I'm not saying there's never any immature stuff with him that you know there is from time to time. But he's not this locker room cancer or anything like that. You know, everybody loves Le'Veon Bell there. He's a very popular guy in that room, and uh, so I don't think the internal issues are all it's cranked up to be. Do you think Mike Tomlin deserves the shoulder of most of the blame for? you know, them failing to get uh, to where they wanted to be to play the Patriots. They, they they wanted to be that team to beat the Patriots in the AFC championship. And instead, of course, it was the Jaguars. Uh, how much blame do you think that Mike Tomlin should get uh, for just the whole dysfunction of what happened there? Just a complete breakdown, play calls and, you know, whatnot. Yeah, I mean, offensively, he's definitely seeded a lot of things to Todd Haley. So I don't really blame the fourth down play calls on him as much. I mean, I think you you bring in your OC, you trust him to run that part of things. Defensively, though, the breakdowns, yeah, I mean, that's on him. You know, I mean, it's there's no question. Uh, you know, you you can't blow coverages, and at that point in the season, you know, playing in what your 18th or 17th game or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you just can't happen. You know, not in the playoffs, not in a big stage, not in an offense that's you know relatively simple in Jackson. I mean, they do a lot of good things. Don't get me wrong, but you know, if you're if you're playing your assignments, you know they're going to run play action split zones and you know throw to the guy in the flat. I mean, they do it every single week, and the Steelers blew that coverage twice on the opening drive, and they blew another flat coverage later in the game. I mean, Bortles had about 80 yards off of throws just he dumped off into the flat, and and he threw one deep ball up, and they couldn't make a play. It was underthrown, and nobody could make a play on it. And so, I mean, to some degree, the players, you know, th- th- there was some talent gaps. I mean, definitely linebacker was a real weakness for the Steelers, and. It's their biggest need going into the offseason. And, you know, the cornerback play from Marty Burns is definitely disappointing. Um, you know, so they've got some some young guys that haven't really played up to snuff that they're going to have to start pushing a little bit this offseason, bringing in other guys and starting to push them a little bit uh, because we got to find out if they're going to be, you know, long-term fits uh, here for the team. But, um, you know, so that, that part's disappointing. But, I mean, the, the lack of communication and, you know, just the preparation and not being able to, you know, consistently you don't have enough guys in the box, you know, errors like that. It, it is on him, and it's kind of a bummer. I mean, I, I don't, you know, you blame defense coordinator Keith Butler too, but you know, Tomlin's a defensive-oriented coach, and eventually a lot of that comes back on him. Did any of you guys catch Aaron Williams' Players' Tribune piece on Wednesday today? I saw that he wrote one, but that's all. I, did, I didn't read it. Yeah, no, it's a, it's I didn't a, see it here. It's a hell of a read. Great stuff. I mean, he it's a basically he he's 
first of all, announces his retirement, you know, the Buffalo Bills uh, secondary player. And, and it's just a incredible story because he just apologizes uh, to the Bills fans for his first couple of years, not really putting uh, the effort that he should have put into being a player. And it was a really, it was an amazing piece to read. But one thing that was also interesting from a Texans perspective is he said that the Texans brought him in. They, they were going to sign him. Uh, but he just couldn't pass the medical exams. I mean, they, they, ha- they had given him his locker even, you know. I mean, they brought him in, showed him his locker, the whole thing. And uh, with the Texans, as badly as they were, were looking in the secondary this past year, it's, it's kind of an interesting story. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely worth the read. I recommend you, you guys check that out. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I think we talked a little about a bit about it yesterday. You know, it's just an amazing, you know, story. Just it's just one of those twenty twenty hindsight type things, you know, with the Houston Texans. So yeah, it's it's a, I'm I'm pretty sure it's a great piece. And I usually read the stuff on Players Tribune, so I'll definitely check it out. Um, last thing, John, uh, you, we 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 got to bring you back after a free agency and and see where things are after that. Sort of see how the draft is setting up. But uh, was there a guy at the Senior Bowl? that you fell in love with you you thought well this isn't who I thought he was after you know seeing him throughout the season and and throughout the last few years yeah there were two guys that really just kind of just seized my attention Uh, Nathan Shepard from Fort Hayes State defensive tackle is uh just crazy man physical great hand usage pass rush repertoire um I mean he has the full package uh, as a defensive lineman I think he's going to test really well. He broke his hand in the second day of practice. Not a bad break. I, I think two to three weeks and no surgery required. I, they said he should be back for the combine. So, uh, But he didn't work the rest of the week. But just Tuesday, I mean, he beat absolutely everybody to face him. I mean, you worry about jumping competition, and then you watch him whoop somebody in every single drill, um, you know, a team and one-on-ones. It didn't matter, man. He just annihilated people. And his tape at four days state is just a highlight reel. Um, he's just constantly working through blockers, constantly getting doubled constantly beating guys never ending energy um he's an extremely physical football player and he looks like a bodybuilder i mean his frame is just unbelievable he's 310 pounds six three and a half i think was he came six four almost and i wow. mean he was just i mean he he's the real deal i think he's gonna I, I, if now i've heard there's some history stuff with him i don't know the extent of it i certainly don't want to slander him or anything but i've heard there's some off-field something you know in the past you know whether whether it's just baggage in the past what i don't know what it might be um i've just heard that you know be wary of him for that reason but so i have no idea what's going to happen in that regard but he is his tape is unbelievable his senior bowl performance was unbelievable he is going to kill the combine i think if he's able to do everything um yeah i mean this guy's this guy's the real deal and i think he has a great shot to go top 50 if everything else checks out if it doesn't i have no idea where he's going to go because a small school guy with with concerns, you know, character-wise is not great. The other guy is Fred Warner from uh, linebacker from BYU. Can run, can cover. You know, he played kind of an edge overhang role there at BYU. Uh, but uh, he played behind the, the defensive line as an off-ball linebacker this week. I was really interested to see how would he read his keys, would he attack blockers, be aggressive in his run fits, and he was to the max all of those things. Uh, he was terrific reading his keys chasing guys through backside gaps using his range i mean he can run he can cover he had seven picks 13 passes defense there he can match up with guys in the slot and with the way he looked against the run playing around the box man i mean he, i think he also has potential to skyrocket up boards and be a top two round pick um so we'll see how those guys test but i expect both of them to test really well and i think you'll start hearing more about both their names in the national uh circle here pretty soon awesome simple question to f- close it out 
Eagles or Patriots? I hope it's the Eagles, but I think it's Patriots. I can't just can't see Nick Foles beating Tom Brady. That'd be, <laughs> I know I know there's more to it than that, but let's be honest. Nick <laughs> Foles beating Tom Brady, I just I can't see it. That'd be the best sports story of the year by far <laughs> if it happens. I would love it. Don't disagree with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think if uh, I think if if you are outside of New England and and maybe from New England, oh, I should say if you're outside of New England and and from that area, or you're in New England, I'm fine with you rooting for the Patriots. But I think the rest of the world is is not. <laughs> right. And most people don't like Eagles. The Eagles are Eagles fans either, so it's kind of a. A lot of people are just hoping the earth opens up in that game. Yeah, it's kind of like politics. Sometimes you got two bad choices and there's a worse one. And I think that's where we're at with this, with this matchup. Uh, it's it's locked on NFL draft. You guys got anything coming up uh, on the show? Yeah, we'll just keep plugging away, man. We got pre-combine stuff coming up. We got some pretty neat ideas before the draft. I think people are really going to like. We're not ready to quite announce yet, but we will. It'll be a big announcement and uh, working on a pretty cool project that I think uh, people are really going to enjoy. So uh, yeah, five days a week, Trevor and I, we talk NFL draft. Uh, we cover the senior boy at length, and uh, we'll get into some pretty cool stuff over the next couple of weeks, too. It's at Ledyard NFL Draft if you want to follow John on Twitter. Hey, thanks so much for doing this, John. Hey, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Just going to close it out. Um, Brian's got everything covered in H-Town Sports over on HouseOfHouston.com, a fan site affiliate. Uh, that's all for this one. So barring any more full-on ex-Texans violence at the Super Bowl, we'll talk to you guys again after Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl again. And maybe Janet Jackson's surprise halftime appearance. I'll just I'll call that one if it happens. As always, thanks for making us a part of your week. <laughs> you are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah. <laughs>